Welcome to Mosaics, a podcast featuring the vibrant and diverse stories of refugee resettlement in Idaho. I'm your host, Holly Beach, with the Idaho Office for Refugees. So today I'm honored to be joined by Rashad and Rejma. These are two uh, wonderful community members here in Boise who both work at the International Rescue Committee. Rashad was born and raised in Afghanistan. He graduated university there and then served in government roles and also as a freelance translator. He came to the U.S. in March of 2022. And since then, he's been working as a community advisor with IRC. Reshma, you may recognize from a previous episode that we did with Glocal, but Reshma Kamal serves also as a community advisor for the IRC in Boise. And she's also the humanitarian and outreach director for the Islamic Center of Boise. So thank you both so much for being here. Thank you, Ali. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And the reason I've had both of you come here together is because you lead a cultural humility workshop that was really popular at our last big IOR conference. So um, before we jump into the workshop and some of the principles that you teach, can you, let's start with you, Rashad. Can you share with our listeners just a little bit more about you and your background? My name is Rashad, Rashad Akbari. As you said, I was born and raised in Afghanistan, and my parents, like the majority of their generations, they didn't have the opportunity to educate themselves and uh, due to war and poverty. So I opened my eyes in a family that they were no, not so uh, educated. And uh, after the Taliban regime was toppled in 2001, my parents, they devoted themselves, heart and souls, for their children's education. And we were lucky to get some education back in home and uh, in a relatively uh, peaceful Afghanistan of post-2001, like uh, most of the other generations, we were lucky to benefit from education. So after graduating from university, I worked with National Statistics and Information Authority of Afghanistan with the aim of uh, connecting people to the digital world. Uh, Afghanistan, which was experiencing uh, nascent democracy, had now turned to a digital world. Uh, and unfortunately, after the incident which happened to Afghanistan, the regime fell off to the hands of Taliban on 2021. We were forced to leave the country and uh, finally I made it here in the U.S. on March 2022. And our journey started from Mazar Sharif to Abu Dhabi and we spent about five months on Abu Dhabi in the refugee camp. And then, yeah, we made it to the U.S. And I work as a community advisor now with International Rescue Committee uh, helping refugees and, and immigrants. That's great. Thank you. Rajma, for anyone who missed our last podcast with you, can you just share a little bit about yourself and your background and your involvement? Sure. As many of you would know, uh, I grew up in India. It's a place of diverse faith and culture that consists of people of many regional, ethnic, linguistic differences. And the pride that people take in that distinctness, whether that be food, dress, language, custom. So I grew around culture and community in Calcutta, India. I went to 
Assembly of God Church School. It's a Protestant school, and um, that was a place I learned a lot of life values. Uh, I read about Bible. I sang the hymns. I learned about many other faiths in that community. And I went to college. It's a Catholic college called Loretta College run by Irish nuns. So you can imagine me being on both sides of that. And my story here is that of an immigrant journey um, in the United States. And that has been a big part of the work that I have done, working for the refugee and the immigrant community, working for the community that we live in together, and helping the communities tell their story, uh, which was what the workshop was all about. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'd love to hear from each of you. Can you think of a time in your life where, because of a cultural difference with someone else, there was some kind of mishap or misunderstanding that happened that you had to work together to come to a better understanding? It can be something funny that happened or something unsettling. Can you think of a time when cultural differences led to a misunderstanding that you had to work through? You see, the and, and the focus, you know, when we did the um, workshop on cultural humility was the idea that we don't make assumptions about others. Uh, and misunderstandings happen through this journey when people assume who we are, but actually we are not of what they're thinking about us. Um, I remember going to one of the uh, local grocery shop in the early days in Idaho when we came here and I had to write something in one of those uh, grocery shopping that I did and the cashier was a very nice lady and I've talked to her before many times. When she looked at my handwriting, um, she said, well, um, I'm so sorry that you did not learn to read and write, and I'm not sure where you are a refugee from. And uh, that's why I I guess your handwriting is so bad. And (laughs) I I was laughing uh, through that conversation because I know the intention was not bad, but it just not knowing about someone, um, not making that effort, not to assume about someone. And that was the, the, the story and the idea that, ins- that motivated us to do this workshop where our stress was, let us tell our own story. Wow, that's like such an easy moment to get very offended. How did you respond to her? Yeah, um, <laughs> As in many cases, um, we have been through so much that life has given up, the ups and downs. Uh, and I have learned to see that and look at that as a teaching moment. And that was my icebreaker with her because before that, I've always smiled at her. We talked about things like, how's the weather? Uh, you know, how are things? What are you planning for Thanksgiving? And things like that. And I think it gave an opportunity for me to introduce myself, which I never did did before. I told her I'm from India and this is my background and this is what I do. She was surprised to learn all that and she she apologized to me, which was not needed. And then from onwards, whenever we met, she was like, tell me something more about yourself, about your country, about your faith and many things that you do. 
So we can take, you know, any moment as a negative or a positive impact, and it depends on us how we look at it. Yeah. So your response allowed her to continue to stay connected to learn from mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Very cool. Rashad, do you have any examples from your life of when maybe somebody misunderstood you or you misunderstood someone else or a situation due to cultural differences? To be honest, it uh, didn't happen actually with me. But uh, for the first time when we came here in Boise, me and my brother, we went to a gas station and we were not sure how to fuel our car. And we were looking like (laughs) everywhere to to call someone to help us and a guy showed up and and he came to us and I asked him can you help us with uh, how to fuel our car and he said like uh, yeah yeah sure he was very kind to be honest yeah and and said uh, where are you guys from it's surprising to me that you guys don't know how to fuel your cars <laughs> so <laughs> I told them that uh, we we know how to fuel our car, but just want to make sure that we are uh, fueling the right petrol or diesel and the two different types of gas. And he continued, are you guys uh, new here to the estate? Uh, and we told him that we are here new in the whole country, like <laughs> we are here in the U.S. Yeah. And he continued like... It is surprising that that people do come here and they do struggle a little bit with how to sort like easy things in life. It was not that uh, mean to me, but I felt that, yeah, it may happen to others. Like they will feel so bad and that kind of things. Yeah, it's a good reminder to have just that little bit of extra grace and uh, not make someone feel foolish. I know whenever I've traveled or been in another country that I'm not familiar with, even the simplest tasks that I do all the time at home can seem really confusing. Like in Paris, trying to cross the streets for some reason, the way their crosswalk signs worked, I could not figure out when the pedestrians were supposed to go mm-hmm. and when we we're supposed to, like, were they counting down for us to go or are they counting down for when we're supposed to stop? And so, like little things like crossing the street, I felt like such a fool. Or I remember being in Johannesburg trying to buy groceries and, you know, it's very similar to how you do it here. But for some reason, like, I couldn't figure out, I didn't weigh my produce at the right place. And then I clogged up the line and I'm like, I promise I'm an adult. Like, I know how to do things. Like, I don't know why I feel so um, inadequate, sometimes like out of place. Um, So, yeah, just like someone there showing kindness is such a huge confidence boost and a way to get over that initial like jitters of being unfamiliar. Not just kindness, but even a smile. Meeting strangers, I think that adds huge difference in the day to day life and things that we do. Yeah. In the cultural awareness workshop, what tools do you give to people attending that you hope that they'll take, take away with them? The idea was to present the core workshop values and beliefs that we are trying to emphasize through people who have lived through that journey. So we had Rashad, we had uh, another community advisor, uh, Vilint Magisha, and myself. And the idea was, I am many things that I represent. As humans, we wrap ourselves in many identities along with our social, our political, our cultural views, 
our nationality and everything that makes us. And we were trying to present that through our voices. We are trying to tell our story because many times uh, we see that we get to hear from people who are talking about us. And sometimes there are many assumptions, there are many beliefs that goes into that, which is not right. And so I always emphasize that let us give voice to many of those who want to speak or who need some encouragement, but let's hear from them. And the idea was to emphasize that. We get to say our own story. And the emphasis was that when you hear those stories, you see it on a lens that you have a clean slate on that. We do not bring any, any assumptions to that story. We listen to it and, and we learn from that through the values and beliefs, the self-awareness, and through the same lens of respect, of mutual understanding, of empathy that we are all capable of towards each other. Um, Rashad, can you share with us a little bit about what you share in the workshop? For my part, it was sharing my story. It, I focused mainly on the journey that I came from Afghanistan and to the U.S. And uh, I believe that it, it was a unique story. Not that unique story, because during those uh, five months that we spent uh, on a refugee camp, I fully realized the meaning of word limbo. And, and that meant to me the uncertainty of our, our destination. And uh, my heart goes out for those who spend years in refugee camps in any part of the world. And uh, that's what I realized that we should understand and educate ourselves and hear others' stories and, and to respect them and what they have been through. And it, yeah, that, that was my part on, on that conference. I think a really important thing that I'm hearing you both say is not to make assumptions about people, but to hear out and respect their own stories. Are there any other ways that assumptions have played a role in your life, either of you, either the way you've approached a situation or the way someone has treated you that you've encountered? I'm just curious to hear more about that. I'd like to bring an important part before I talk at that is when we tell our story, we also emphasizing key difference between cultural humility and cultural competency. And that's where all these assumptions, all these stereotypes, all the danger of single story comes into play. Um, cultural competency is knowledge-based. It's a training that professionals receive. Um, and then there are defined boundaries in that uh, professional training. Cultural humility for people like Rashad and myself and many, many others, that is experience-based. That is self-reflection, which is constantly evolving. And as, you know, arriving from, from a different country, from a different place, uh, with language uh, that we have learned in our own country, the emphasis is it's a process of self-reflection and what we are trying to say is, and we admit our ignorance when we say that is, cultural humility is, is a process of understanding an approach which is learned by humility, by asking questions first. And when we ask that, at, 
many times we admit our own ignorance in not knowing that. And that is one tool that I always uh, emphasize, and it works both ways. There's always a learning process when we come into a new place, uh, into a new country. I remember we were in Wisconsin at the time, and one of our extended family had called us for Thanksgiving dinner. My assumption, which was my cultural humility to understand what Thanksgiving meant, uh, what food we had around this event. And uh, I did not make that learning myself. I learned it in the process of assuming that we will have a grand feast of Indian food, there'll be many other options to explore. And uh, when we land into our, our friend's house, we see the traditional Thanksgiving. Uh, we have the turkey, the mashed potatoes, the cranberry sauce, and things like that. And remember, we are driving from Wisconsin to Chicago, so three hours plus drive, and we are hungry, and we're looking at things that we have never seen before. Those are the examples I say, you know, it's a cultural learning for us when we come to a new land. And the process of making that effort to understand, not just from us, from both the sides, that can make things better. Oh, I love that example because it can be scary to ask the question when you think you're supposed to already know something. Yes. I've had, I've encountered that a lot in my life and it's like, oh, I'll just try to wing it because I don't want to reveal my ignorance. But then later it comes back to bite you or it can <laughs> and you wish you would have just asked the question in the first place. That's a good example. Rashad, do you have any examples from your first year and a half here of how you've had to either learn culturally yourself or teach others about your culture? So when I started my first job here in, in Boise, I started as a line cook. I worked in a kitchen and, and that kitchen named Totally Toasted. So for for that first day when I got there at the job orientation, so uh, I was like shocked. How, how should I do this and, and how it be possible for me to when I said uh, on, on that round table that the supervisors were there and, and everyone said a sentence like, I'll be a cook and, and I'll be the manager or, or the su- I'm the supervisor or the manager and my other colleagues. So uh, when, um, when it was my turn and I said that I will be a line cook <laughs> and, and everyone uh, like laughed at how you will be a line cook. So I didn't state that sentence correctly and, and all people around that table laughed. So we began working for uh, another day and, and when we jumped into the kitchen, so I was not familiar with, with all that, that kitchen stuff. Like when my coworker told me that passed that thing to me, I was like, what is that? <laughs> and my coworkers, they, to be honest, they were like so respectful and they helped me a lot. But uh, for some, some of supervisors and managers, they were too strict on that. And and that's what I learned that first people should learn how people like uh, how they have been through and how they arrived here as refugees. 
So people should not expect all at once from refugees and, and, and the newcomers. So that was a, a moment that I felt that ev- everyone may face such a tough moment and, and how to handle that. So in my point, people should educate themselves and learn from, learn from other cultures and they should raise their self-awareness or cultural awareness and, and then judge people. Yeah, that's a really good point. If you're, especially in like a kitchen environment, I imagine even though you speak English, there's probably a lot of little kitchen gadgets that you never learned the names of, like spatula, you know, or great. At the time, it was probably hard to adjust. Is that kind of what you're saying? It was like difficult to to know the terms of some of these different things. Spatula, grill. And, and other stuff that I, I, I don't remember yeah. yeah yeah like those aren't super common terms of like a language yeah. class so that could take some time to find your yeah find it, your it took a while for things. me to to learn all those stuff yeah. yeah Rashad can you tell me a little bit about the work you're doing now as a community advisor and, and why that matters to you yeah I do work uh, with uh, newcomers and refugees so within this job, I realized that uh, now that I'm a little bit adjusted to the environment and, and to the country, so now it, it should be my turn to serve the people who are coming newly here in the U.S. and they do a struggle with life and how to navigate the system or how to access community resources. So my job as a community advisor is to help the families and newcomers with uh, how to help them to adjust to the community or have access to community resources. And uh, I uh, mainly focus on on Afghan newcomers, but uh, nowadays I have other clients from other uh, refugee backgrounds. So, yeah. So since you were in their shoes not too long ago trying to adjust to living in Idaho, what is some advice or guidance that you like to give them about adjusting to life here? I think the, I would advise them to overcome the language barrier first. The main thing is the language barrier, and they should have the courage to overcome that barrier as soon as possible if, if they can, and uh, they should always ask for help if, if they need. For example, we had a client like uh, we met yesterday. The guy was, uh, and uh, Reshma can explain that the guy took a loan or something and that, that it will cost them too much with the interest rate. And, and they should first ask the people who are aware of the, of the situations or they know about the community, how the system works. Yeah. That's true. And I'll add into what Rashad said that as community advisors, uh, we have been through our own journey of resettlement and immigration process. Um, As advisors, we have uh, um, some of those language skills and most important, uh, the cultural understanding to work together with the newly arrived families, the challenges they face, um, the isolation, uh, the feeling of loss that comes when you arrive to a new place and, and as your kids grow up. Myself, you know, in that story where I see that I'm losing my 
my ability to pass my mother tongue to my children. And that's a huge loss uh, for me and for many people in the same dilemma that I am in today. Uh, kids get to speak English, which is great, uh, but are they equally fluent in their mother tongue? And many kids lose that. Uh, for us, that's a connection between the country where we are born, the culture that we bring in, and who we are. That's that's part of, of our identity. Uh, we cannot lose that. So that's a struggle that we go through in many things that we do. And as Rashad mentioned, one of the clients that we had, and we have many like them who are taken advantage of because the they are not aware of the way the financial system works uh, in the United States. He took a loan and he had interest of 30%. So his principal amount was very close to the interest that he would be paying in the next few years. And those are the things we try to teach people, not just financial coaching in that way, but parental coaching, uh, learning the ways that things are done here. But at the same time, we also see that it's a, it's a picture where we also bring in who we are. When we move to a new place, we bring a lot of baggages, and those can be in many forms. Our faith, our culture, our language, the way we bring up our kids. Many times I go for parental coaching, and a lot of families don't like to be told. Not just you know people coming to this new place, but even here. Uh, all over the world, um, nobody likes to be told how to raise your kids up. And so there's a very subtle approach that is needed, and that is done through storytelling. The things that we we have here, the laws that we have here around young children, and what we do and why it is done, I think that helps in explaining the process of understanding it instead of saying uh, one assumption that this is how you bring your kids up. And that's the whole struggle. That's the whole teaching process uh, with the newly arrived families to integrate them into this country and then also make sure that they keep a part of what they bring in, which they hold very close to themselves. That's a really cool example of ways that storytelling, you know, helps in teaching. I didn't think of it that way, too. I've always thought of storytelling to like bridge cultures and build empathy, but using it as a way to teach someone why a certain way of doing things is important or beneficial. That's really cool that you're able to use that. I'm wondering if either of you can share more on the subject. So sometimes, you know, we often talk about connecting and getting to know each other. Do you have any advice on how someone can show their curiosity to someone from another culture without coming across as rude or abrupt? You see, yeah, as you said before, Holly, saying that I don't know, uh, saying that I want to learn, I want to know more, that is an icebreaker instead of reading things that we do not connect with. Instead of knowing people through news channels, the best way to know people is connect with them, seek out with them. I remember there was a, a grant that I wrote through the Idaho Community Foundation, and the idea was to bring people across the city together around dinner or around food. And we encourage our neighbors around our faith area. We encourage people that we've never met before to come and share bread with us, to come and share food and bring something from the culture that they have come. And we get to learn from them. So it's a learning process from both the sides. 
it's very easy to mix with people we know. I walk into a room and I see Rashad, he's a familiar face. I walk up to him. Uh, the idea is you look at a stranger in the room who might be looking at you as a stranger from the place that he or she is in. And so that's the key to break the ice is you approach someone you don't know and just say, hey, I'm here to learn and know more about you in person rather than hearing from others who we are and what we bring into the culture that we come into. And I would add that uh, when we made it to the U.S., we were in Virginia and we were destined to go to Albuquerque. The image from Albuquerque I had was all that that Breaking Bad series. <laughs> and I panicked yeah. that what happens next. So I reached out to my relatives and families here in Boise and fortunately they were able to help us like, yes, Idaho is a good place and, and you will make it your home. So I mean that always have the courage to ask for the people. And for Albuquerque, then I heard that, no, it is it is a good place to live. And <laughs> it was a bad imagination that I had based on that TV series. So it is always, it is okay to ask for help when you, when you are not sure or when you don't know how to navigate. True. I will vote on that for Boise, Idaho. We moved from New Jersey and initially we ourselves did the mistake of being a little bit hesitant in planning that move because we heard so many stories about Idaho, uh, a lot of them in the negative light. But the idea was, okay, we, we are going to go to a new place. You're going to try and most probably return back after two years. And here we are in the 14th year, uh, still enjoying Boise. And so the emphasis is, as humans, we are making that mistake always, always. And that includes all of us of going by things that we hear, going by things that we see on TV. Uh, or you might have had an interaction with one person, which should not lead us to generalize about the whole community out there. Uh, and that is one, both of us have you know, very personal, relatable examples of how when we live in a community, we get to know it better. And Boise is one of those uh, surprise learning experience for us in a good way. And I hope yeah. we make it till the end in Boise. <laughs> yes, <laughs> God willing, as they say. <laughs> yeah. Is there any other principle from the workshop that you guys have found to be really helpful for participants or a highlight of the workshop that you want to share about? What I received feedback, you know, from the workshop was, and one of the reasons why people said it was so popular, uh, I remember just going into the room a few minutes before the workshop, and I, and I had like a few few people, ten to twelve people, and I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be a small workshop participant, and we can just close in and have chairs and uh, together. And within five minutes, the room was full. In fact, we had to close the door because it overreached the max capacity that we could have people in that room. And the reason was because people saw, which they don't see often, is the storytellers in their own form, the storytellers with their own vulnerability that they bring in. And it is not 
easy to tell your own story because you expose a part of yourself to the public and it needs courage to do that and people saw that uh, we talked about our the things that we did uh, that we look back and we thought how could we do this how could we be so as you said you know going out shopping in a new place uh, and we look back on, on those things and we learn from it and so the key point was we got a chance to tell our own story in the way that we saw it and that was a platform for people to come and share their views uh, and their values and so it was an integration of many things that happened uh, on the same platform where a lot of resettlement agencies people that work in there that come with such great heart and such empathy together they get to see a side now that have themselves gone through that in person and so i think that was one remarkable thing of that cultural humility series and i had two or three people came to me after that conference that and they said and they were grateful for sharing my story and one of them said that uh, now i know that it will be good to interact with diverse group of people and 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 hear from them and uh, try to realize and and the things that i don't know about the people before my own biases show up yeah that's a really cool response we also had uh, one young student there from one of the high school can come and speak about her journey as a first generation american and her desire to see more diversity in the classroom that she s- shares with other students and her desire to see more listeners around teachers uh, around staff that make those schools they are the key in making a space uh, for new students who come and attend school from a different place and make it easy for them so we try to balance that and give a perspective from someone who's been there for some time like myself and then Rashad and then we had a student uh, representing that uh, and i and i believe we covered some of the key points in 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 that workshop so if someone wants to take this workshop or do other cultural humility learning do you have any recommendations for them on how to sign up or where to find those resources i think uh, the upcoming year we will have the workshop again but uh, dates or change it, it is like it will be on october Okay. On October so 2024, yeah. So IOR will have an announcement or something about that. Okay, yeah, we'd love to have you back for that. It seemed like I was actually going to go to that workshop and it was so popular that by the time I got there, they'd already closed the doors. <laughs> okay, I guess I will go. Yes, yes. Um, and Reshma is the organizer. Well, that is the plan. The plan is to have these cultural humility series uh, happening, okay. you know, through these uh, workshops and not just you know be limited around we don't have to wait for the IDR FG conference yearly but we can do these every quarterly or monthly for a lot of people that would love to come and join us and be interested yeah and they can reach out to the ICAN team in uh, IRC if they're interested and we would love to sit down and do that workshop and share and learn as well 
Yes. And I know like the Refugee Speakers Bureau as well will have upcoming opportunities just to hear different stories. Rejma, I really appreciate that you mentioned the danger of a single story. Um, I believe that's a TED Talk if anyone wants to um, learn more about that. But it's so true. The danger of a single story leads us to assume things about others based on one person's story or one experience that we have had. So thank you for bringing that up as well. If anyone wants to connect about the conference or about resources, please email mosaics at idahorefugees.org and I can help connect you to the right place. But Reshma and Rashad, thank you for being here. Is there anything else you'd like to leave with our listeners before we go? Thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my points in this podcast. Thank you so much, Holly. I want to conclude by saying that moving brings challenges and there are some that we do not expect. Uh, we embrace a few things and we let go a few things. There's grief, there's loss, but there's also a sense of uh, victory. There's a sense of learning in life that comes around in those difficult situations. And the idea is that life moves on. Where we are, we need and we do have good people around. Uh, and that's the idea that uh, there are people who are willing to open that arm of embrace and willing to listen to you. And the, the approach comes from both the sides. Uh, we have to reach out across the aisle to make the journey easy and likewise on the other side as well. So thank you, Holly. Well, thank you both. It's been really enlightening to speak with you. I appreciate you being here. Thanks for putting up with meeting remotely while I am sick. But I appreciate your flexibility. <laughs> of course. Thank you, Holly. Thank you for joining the conversation. For more information on how to be involved with refugee resettlement, please visit IdahoRefugees.org. Mosaics is produced by the Idaho Office for Refugees with grant support from the MJ Murdoch Charitable Trust. Music by the Afrosonics. Production and partnership with SB Studios.